you sometimes you have to go through that um, valley of tears before you can have that clarity that really tells you also something what you have done before was maybe wrong because you get you have the feeling normally whilst you're doing it. it it just doesn't feel right or it drains you or whatever but the moment you leave that behind you that that is you get that clarity and it's like an enlightening moment mm. where you say okay now i finally found the place and then you're radiating that energy yeah and with what you're doing hi my name is caitlin pyatt I'm a professionally certified marketer, and this is the Start Marketing Podcast, where small business owners can find authentic, accessible, and actionable marketing advice to help them grow and scale their businesses. I've worked in marketing for over 13 years, and it's an industry I genuinely love and a craft I believe can revolutionize and propel businesses to unimaginable growth. I'm the director of marketing at a startup, I run the Start Marketing community, and of course, I host this podcast. But I'm also a wife, a mom of three, and my house is generally always chaotic. I like learning about marketing, talking about it, and this is my favorite place to share my love of marketing. If you can't tell, I'm kind of a nerd about it. So I hope you're ready to soak it all in and start marketing. Are you ready to uncover your niche, nail your signature offers, and ethically and fearlessly attract your dream clients? Then you need Christian Moore at your side. Holding a master's degree in marketing, published author and blogger, Christiana has mainly helped health and personal development coaches. With her help, they cut through the clutter of offering too much to too many and define an offer of one built around their unique fortes and favorite clients. Working with Christiane has them finding the niche they thrive in, go from panic to clarity within 10 days, or snag multiple dream client inquiries for appointments every week. Her clients appreciate her welcoming smile and empathetic personality teamed up with a sharp analytical mind that helps them see their blind spots in business and cash flow. When Christiane is not helping her clients to build a business aligned with their values, she enjoys running, eating delicious food, sailing the Mediterranean, or watching the latest outdated TV series she just found on Amazon Prime over a glass of full-bodied smooth red. Hi, Christiane, and welcome to Startup Marketing. I'm excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. Sailing the Mediterranean sounds amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I want to do that. Yeah. It's beautiful. And unfortunately with COVID, I think I have to wait a little bit longer, but maybe next year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, what is your favorite outdated TV series right now? Well, uh, lately went through the whole Big Bang Theory and the good thing (sighs) is we didn't have to wait for the next season. And yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed to watch uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That is also really wonderful, especially oh. I'm a swing dancer too. So it's it also taps into that time. So yeah, that yeah. Was, it, it, I have it. not. I have heard great things about marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and yeah. I always forget. I need to like write that down. I always forget. I've, I'm looking for a new series right now, so that's going to be the one that I that I look yeah. at. It, it's a must see. It's funny and yeah. It just has three seasons, so I'm waiting for fourth, but um, I don't know if it comes, but <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I'm holding, I'm holding my breath. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one who finds outdated TV series. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, um, I watched Gossip Girl a couple years ago, and that show is like 13 years old, and before like you're just getting to that show, and I was like, I don't know, but it was great because you got to watch everything like all at one time, so yeah, it's perfect. I hate, waiting. I hate waiting for the next season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My husband's the same way. He's like, 
we, we got hooked on, um, a show, oh, how to get away with murder. Have you ever watched that? No, no. Okay. That's another really fantastic one. And we like binged it, but we didn't realize that the last season was currently airing. And so we missed the first half of the last season. And so now like, I don't know if I'll ever go back and finish it, but yes, he was like, no more shows that are currently running seasons because this can't happen again. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, this is going to be a good conversation. Having and finding a niche is probably one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever been giving a, given as a business owner. Um, so I am very excited to be able to share this today. So tell us a little bit about your background and what it is you do. Yeah. So actually, I've been working into very different space for over 20 years because first, I like to be creative and a creator. And this mm-hmm. is what I do in marketing. And I mostly act as a consultant, but I'm also writing a website copy or do website creation projects. So I'm also hands on oh. my clients. But then I also like to uh, sink my teeth into problems and analyze and juggle data and come up with a solution, write concepts and things like that. And this is what I'm doing as a business analyst and designer in IT projects. Oh, so wow. I've been working with big corporations with hundreds of thousands of employees the startups, but also with uh, single entrepreneurs. So it's a very wide field. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and now this sounds like it's completely separate, but that's actually what helps my clients because I have the experience from all these worlds mm-hmm. and I bring together good communication, structure and planning, but also ideas how to put everything in place, like how you structure information and make them look good on a website. So design is also one of my things. And um, now you might wonder, I'm talking about nature and this sounds a little (laughs) bit like it's all over the field. Sure. Yeah. And this is why I'm so passionate about niching because regarding my work in marketing, I really niche down because I say I'm a niching and a marketing strategist for Mm -hmm. health and life coaches. So I'm very clear. I'm not working for anyone else, but health and life coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Help them define their niche and create their standout offer that they love to talk about. So bring all that passion, all that makes you special into what you're offering and to whom you're offering. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, And, you know, there's, and the great thing about being an entrepreneur is that sometimes, and I think you don't necessarily realize this when you're looking at entrepreneurs sometimes, is that while we might focus and we might have a niche over here in our coaching business that we market and we talk about, behind the scenes, sometimes there's a lot of other projects that feed our ability to be able to work with that kind of like client type. And that's kind of the beauty of the, it's a lifestyle more so than like, um, you know, a lack of a niche or something like that, you know, in your instance, like you've got this work over here that also feeds and fuels your experiences and makes you a better coach on the health and wellness side of things. And you kind of, you focus, I think the important thing to point out is that you in your business. And like, when I go to your website, you're not talking about both of those things. It's very targeted and it's very clear. This is who I work with and this is what I do for them. Um, so I think that's kind of the takeaway is that you can be a, I think they call them like multi-passionate entrepreneurs or something like that. I feel like that's a term I see a lot. Um, you can have a lot of different passions and work with different people, but when it comes to your marketing, 
you kind of have to, you have to have that niche because otherwise, imagine if you're trying to talk to all of those people in one spot, it would just be chaos and confusing for you yeah. and for them. Yeah. It's really, when you try to talk to everyone, you're talking to no one because yes. you can't rest the things that are important for these uh, people that you are really trying to reach. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you have a really kind of unique experience from working with the big corporations that you are able to really tie in and use in your coaching. So talk about kind of what you, what you take and the lessons you take from those corporations and how you weave them in to help your clients. Well, one thing that is, that is the biggest takeaway for me is always that you have to do it completely differently when you're a single entrepreneur, mm -hmm. because you can't, uh, you can't spend all these uh, hours of discussion and thinking, should we do this? Should we do that? You have to focus a little bit more. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, many people in a corporate environment don't have that. Um, I think it's a luxury to, yes. to just decide and not run from here to there and then to a third person and get a permission to do something. Um, what, what is the part that I'm taking the most away is I've been working for a big um, internet agency that has been doing websites for Infineon, Siemens, um, MAN. And you, you really have to pay attention to detail and see that everything that you're putting out there makes sense, has a logic, has a structure, but also looks good. And working on big scale on um, internet uh, design, um, makes makes it really easy to transfer that for a client because when they are talking to me, I already have in my head how would I structure what they are, want to put on their website. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also when I offer different services, so I can do it for them, but I can basically just be the, the mentor, the coach at the side and say, okay, this is what I would do, but you have to decide yourself. Some people have their have like a friend, a graphic designer or a yeah. friend working in the agency and want to do that with them. And that's totally fine for me. Um, but I try to give them that, that wisdom of um, how you structure and transport information because designers are great at designing things and yes. making them look good, but yes. not necessarily in having that flow of information uh, clink in Absolutely. with the client. And that is normally the, uh, the gap that I have to bridge there. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's so, it is so necessary. And that's something that I think you hit on a really good point. Like as you, if, if you are listening and you're thinking about like building a website and things like that, there's, we call it the user experience. Like you have to be able to think through how somebody is going to move through and interact with the structure of your website. And so there's so much more that goes into it than just making it look really nice. And so having somebody who can design it, that's one half of the puzzle. But the other part is having a website that's going to convert and having having something that looks nice doesn't always equal conversions and leads and sales and things like that. And so understanding and having somebody who can kind of guide you through that, I have found, um, I have something, I have a friend who does that exact same thing for a living. And so he's, he's been really helpful to me. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I haven't had to hire that piece out. I get that kind of free advice from a really good friend. Um, 
But, you know, I've learned a lot because when I was building my website, for example, like I, I used a template and then I've kind of customized the template. And something I've learned is that even though those templates are put together by the website platform and they are generally pretty good, they're not always super focused on the user experience. And so you kind of have to have that in the back of your mind as you go through that and it's, it's, um, it's very critical. I can't even, <laughs> I am kind of at a loss to, of what else to say, but it's really, it's just very important to have something like that. And I think your experience coming from kind of that corporate world is so valuable. And I feel like that's one of the things that I have appreciated. And I feel like sometimes my clients appreciate the most about me as well is, um, because I have all of that experience and I can kind of translate it to them, yeah. it saves, it saves a lot of headaches. Um, and so even though, um, sometimes being an entrepreneur is really difficult coming from the corporate world, at least for me, there's so much that I'm able to draw from. And I'm like, okay, at least I've got kind of that like institutional knowledge that I can apply that really kind of helps me. So I think that's really, that's really fantastic. If you, if you're listening and you can find a coach who has that, I'm telling you, I think that's really kind of what sets some coaches yeah. apart from the others is their ability to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and one more thing is why, why did I choose my niche of health and life coaches? Um, I actually, I had a little episode where I went into, um, let's say, yeah, it, my dad got uh, diagnosed with cancer mm. and, um, so sorry. It, it was a really hard time. It's uh, he's now dead for 10 years. It, it's um, this, it will be this year. So, oh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. But um, that that whole time was a really hard one. And he was a strong believer in uh, less than normal medicine. Just go to a doctor, take yes. a test, get surgery, whatever. And yeah. when he, when he got that diagnosis, he said, "I'm I'm not certain if I should do chemo and if I should do radiation." So he asked me because um, he knew that I was very alternative in my <laughs> medical sure. yeah. to, uh, to do some research for him. And um, what, what I realized was that everything you can do when you got cancer, you can do upfront to prevent or, or make, make the change. Kind of, yeah, lessen the, your <laughs> risk, decrease really, your risk. Yeah, decrease, decrease your risk insanely. And um, from there, I got, after he passed away, I, it, it was really hard for me. I'm, I'm a daddy's girl. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I felt like I lost a little bit of connection to my family mm. and I felt really alone. And I thought, then the next thought came, what is if, yes, he was not so young anymore, but then I read, it doesn't matter how old your parents are when they die of cancer, it still, it still increases your risk. And I thought, yeah. okay, so how should right. I my life? <laughs> And, and yeah. it made me think about what I'm doing. So after that, and also the experience, how we were left alone as a family um, mm -hmm. with, with the whole situation. Um, I wanted to have a part in making the situation for somebody else easier. After I had recovered myself, that was about one and a half years later. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I set up a program website, everything, had everything done. And it was, yeah, I got a few clients here and there, but it was not, um, it was not really something that people wanted. Mm. It, I, I, I had gone through the experience. So for me, it was very, let's say it was still a very personal. Yes. Yes. 
most other people who said, well, yeah, that might happen, but I don't want to think about it. I don't want to mm. ruin the good time and even good friends and, and even a few friends where there was a cancer diagnosis in the family. So I had done one thing majorly wrong. I had picked a niche where there was no real need, at least not in the area where I had the possibility sure. to reach people. So that was one major lesson for me. And the next thing was, I was, um, it didn't make me happy because I did not get out of the cancer bubble. I was still recovering in the end. Mm -hmm. And it, it made that, it made me relive the situation all the time. And yeah, not something you want to do on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is actually what, what, what made me then take um, a pause and say, I want to help people get healthy, have that advantage, but I can't do it myself because it strains mm -hmm. me. So mm. this is why I chose the health and life coaches because I know that they are doing a terrific job and many say, well, you, you just did not learn to um, take yourself out of the picture. And I said, yeah, that might be right, but actually I still don't want to learn it. I'm just happy to help people who yeah, can do, who can do it. Than myself. And I'm taking the expertise that I have been amassing over more than 20 years and really like to also put into place to help yeah. people that are next to my heart, really. And it's like an intermediary for the people they are helping. I yes, yes. I'm, I have an impact on all these people's lives that they are helping. Yes, that's a that's a a kind of beautiful journey in terms of like how um, how you kind of discovered your niche, and I think that. Um, especially if you are someone who has a lot of different interests, um, and you kind of think like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to become this coach. Right. And for you, it was really, it was a really difficult situation. And the, the beautiful part of it was that you recognized, Hey, here are the skill sets that I do have. How can I still have the impact that I desire, which is bringing health and um, information to people so that they can maybe prevent the type of experience or at least decrease their risk of having the same experience that I had. And instead of shifting and, and doing that work yourself, you're taking your skills and your expertise and still having the same impact just in a different way. And I think sometimes that's, um, that journey isn't necessarily talked about among entrepreneurs as much as it could be. And I think that it's a really, it's a really powerful journey. And I think it's, um, it is kind of heartbreaking that it had to come out of that experience for you, but kind of what you've taken and shaped it into is really kind of a beautiful journey. And, and it's, it's awesome to kind of hear that shared. So thank you. I think this is a, um, a lesson that I learned, but I'm applying it for my clients because each and every one has one turning point in their life where they made the decision to do that. And this is, but they are not aware of it. And we're, we're doing like a lot of bio work where they're just digging deep into what they have done, why they have done things. Also pain points. One, one client said to me, that was nearly theoretical. And I thought, okay, that's maybe a strong word for <laughs> <laughs> what we have been doing. But this is she said, no, I, I could not have imagined how many things came up, how often I cried over what I had done in the past. A and then I had that relief and knew why, why I'm doing it and why it is so important for me. Yeah. And um, I think 
you sometimes you have to go through that um, valley of tears before you can have that clarity that really tells you also something what you have done before was maybe wrong because you get you have the feeling normally whilst you're doing it. it it just doesn't feel right or it drains you or whatever but the moment you leave that behind you that that is you get that clarity and it's like an enlightening moment mm. where you say okay now I finally found the place and then you're radiating that energy yeah with what you're doing yeah so this yeah. is what I'm every time that happens when the eyes light up I'm so happy that is like the best the best result and what what gives me the most out of my work that I yeah. see people just having that sigh of relief and say can be easier that's it it feels aligned with me yeah that I think and just listening to you kind of explain that I can see why you're and I have the benefit of being able to obviously see you on camera um, which my listeners don't have but listening to you and kind of watching you tell that story I could see why your clients are so attracted to you because just to have somebody who um understands that journey is so important, especially when you're choosing a coach, choosing a coach that really kind of understands you and what you're trying to accomplish is, I feel like kind of a a critical foundation to a really productive relationship. But then also something that I talk about all the time and often is you have to be able to, you know, tell your story in order to attract the right kind of clients to you and kind of listening to you and watching you tell that story. I can immediately see and hear, oh, this is why your clients say the things that they do about you and kind of that warmth that you radiate, because as you're telling the story, even though it, you know, has this, like these peaks and these valleys, and it's really rooted in a very painful experience, you have this light and this warmth about how you transfer that to your clients. And so I think it's just, um, it reminded me that I say this all the time. I say this, you know, have the ability to tell your story and tell your story well. Uh, and it's seeing it in action is just, is really very cool. And so I wanted to point out kind of as my listeners are, you know, you're listening, I think they'll still be able to hear it. And so, um, that is, it's just such a critical part of being able to build your business, especially as a coach. So something that, I think so many business owners are afraid to do though, is choose a niche. And I think that's because in my experience, they're afraid they're going to lose money because if they're not attracting, you know, if they're saying that my window of clients or my preferred client is kind of this very small group, I'm missing out on the opportunity to capture all of these other opportunities. And so I'm going to lose money. So that's kind of, that's kind of been my experience, but I'm interested as somebody who regularly talks about and helps people choose their niches. What in your experience is kind of that fear that, um, or that barrier to choosing a niche that your clients come to and how does it end up kind of affecting their business? Yeah. In my experience, it's really two reasons. And the first one is what you said, the fear of losing out on clients especially when they are new in business they need the money and it's you know like every client is a good client it doesn't matter if it drains away (laughs) my energy or i think i I really can't help so we we tend to overstep our own borders 
depending on our type of personality. If you're really a cautious person, you say rather, no, I don't take the client because I might not be able to serve the client. But then there are the more audacious people who say, well, wonderful, I can do that. Might not be what I want to do. But right, right. Yep. <laughs> but uh, that, that, is, that is the main fear. And when, if you're really just starting out, it might actually be a good idea to take on a few more clients that you would normally do where you say, no, maybe not so, because you get sure. the feeling how it is to work with them. Yeah, it's, it's a learning experience. Therapy. Exactly. What, where, where do I want to go to and how does it fail and, and how does it work? Um, but later on, you should come to the point where you say, okay, I know which people I like to mm -hmm. work with. I know which people I can help. And then it's really, um, it, it's a no-brainer to get even better there and get better results because you understand the people better. You can go deeper because you're working in one area with one type of client, which still gives you a lot of variety. If I think of the clients I've been working with, they are so different that it's really not funny. Yeah. And both of them are women. So yeah. it's not even, like I say, I have the men and the women and they are completely different. No, each woman is so specific in her vita and what happened and what they are doing and, and where they're ending up that it's still it feels like something new all the time yeah. still, yes, it's, it's still all the same area I'm doing not exactly the same thing but basically the process the framework is the same that I'm going through and and that is a second uh, fear where I'm coming to that is being that the feeling of being painted in a corner this is yeah. what I can do and this is the only thing I can do for the rest of my life and it feels like but I, I have so much more to offer so yeah yep. how, how would I pick just one thing and 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 let go of all the others and this is actually why I gave my background the way I did you can totally pick one niche for one area that you're working in I mean it should not be I think if you have two different niches that is okay. <laughs> if you go to three or more, it won't it won't happen yes. because you just don't have enough time in, in your day. And it's also the headspace. And um, just when, when we talk about um, how our brain works, mm -hmm. we have to chunk work if we if we start to work on different projects because multitasking is just not working. We are losing um, a lot of productivity as uh, in the in the switch of the context. So if you're just working on two projects, you're already losing 20%. And if you do that on a regular day basis, every day, you just, you get less done. Yeah. You chunk it into one day, the one, or let's say that first half of the week, this, and then the second half, this, or you're chunking in weeks, that, that works, you're losing less, but doing it regularly over the day is not a good idea. Yeah, I think that's... Uh as you were kind of talking before you kind of got to that point, I, I thought, you know, one of the things that when you don't niche down that people don't realize is that it's going to create so much more work for you yeah. that makes yeah. you so much less productive because you're trying to, you know, and, and I say this having kind of gone through this experience and not really understanding kind of the, the full workload I was getting into as an entrepreneur, yeah. you know, in the corporate world, I was, I was very privileged to have a team that I got to delegate a lot of work to. And obviously I knew becoming an entrepreneur is going to be doing all of that stuff myself. But what I underestimated was how much time mm -hmm. it was all going to take me. And if you, 
if you have to do all of that work and then you multiply it by three, because you have to do it for every single niche or target audience that you have in mind, my gosh, like you can, as a solo entrepreneur, there's no way you can keep up with that. You, and then you get to the point where it's like diminishing returns, right? Like you are going to see, you can't do all the things and you can't do them all well. So then you're going to be average at one thing and you're not going or average at all the things and you're not going to excel at one particular thing. And in the end, that's going to end up hurting you. It's going to be less clients. That's going to be less money. And then that sort of just feeds the feeds the fire and keeps you in this circle of like, gosh, now I have to continue taking every client that comes to me instead of being able to focus on the ones where I can just add the most value to them. And that in turn is going to generate more business for me because they're going to be like, my gosh, this was an amazing experience. You have to go work with this person. And that kind of, you know, allows your business to grow a little bit more organically and in a way that's better aligned with you than if you're trying to just be all things to all people. It's just, it's impossible to keep up with. You're going to burn out. No, you can't. And marketing, marketing efforts are really high when you're working with um, singular clients. I mean, I, I have to be fully transparent here. My IT project, it's just, I don't have to do any marketing, any sense. It's just they're yeah. rolling in because how, of how I've been working for 20 years. Yeah. Coming yep. in via recommendations and normally they are longer projects anyway so every few years maybe uh, or at least one and a half years or something for a project and I have a strong network where yep. they are if I had to do the same that I'm doing for my marketing business for the IT business I would just have one I, yes yes nothing else to say <laughs> absolutely and I think that's I think that is a brilliant point to make is that you know especially when you are starting out, there is the, the biggest tip that I give people is really to build that strong network because there's so much heavy lifting you're going to have to do on the marketing side of things that, and especially if you aren't an expert and you don't know, and you're kind of doing it yourself, like there's going to be a lot of learning and there's going to be a lot of things that you try that just don't work that take time and energy. If you have that network, that referrals and recommendations can come to you where you're not having to go out and find the business. That is a really uh, comfortable position to be in, to be able to have the business because it gives you the freedom on the marketing side of things to figure it out and find out how you're going to attract those ideal clients and things like that. Um, so that's kind of, and and as a new entrepreneur, when I've networked with other people, that's always been their advice is build that network because it's going to give you the freedom to do more things on the marketing side. Um, and I just, and I think that's a really great point to make to say, Hey, if you are doing multiple things, if you have one that's sort of self-sufficient that you don't have to work to bring the business in, that's the way you want to set it up. But if you're having to do the work, like we said, for two or three different niches or offerings like it's just not sustainable yeah, yeah. absolutely and there's also a third influencing factor why people shy away from meeting it seems hard and it yeah. also can be hard and and you know they're trying a few times and it just it doesn't come together but i think the point there is that um you know there's that idea of a niche has to be 
age, gender, um, mm -hmm. economic weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe like where, where they are living, like uh, women over 40 in Munich, I'm from Munich, <laughs> coincidentally, mm -hmm. um, that have two kids and, and working a corporate job. But what am I doing? So it's not, it's not specific. They don't have all the same problem. And when you're talking right. about tough coaches, it might be midlife, it might be um, um, after childbirth that you have um, problems getting back sure, into shape. Hormonal sure. things. There are so many areas that you can um, get the expert on. And this is what the market pays for today. It's expertise. It's being a specialist, not a generalist. Yeah. And let me give you a statistic. I was really flabbergasted myself because Forbes said that 42% of startups failed due to not niching because they did not pick oh my gosh. a special, uh, specific target group and a specific problem that they are solving. I said, 42%, that's massive. Yeah, that is, that is huge. Yeah. And then I know that it's, you know, it, it's about startups and not single entrepreneurs, but I'm totally certain it's the same. I think it's very applicable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had a few conversations with the coaches who said, um, no, I stopped to work as a coach. It didn't work out. And then when I looked at, you know, at their profiles, it was always a very generic approach to what they're doing. And I thought, yeah, why would I pick you over somebody else? And that's a question. Why right. would I pick you over somebody else? This is uh, the question in the head of your um, ideal client in the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, I think that's a fantastic point. When you think about choosing a niche, it doesn't have to be based on like demographic or psychographics. It could be um, based on experiences. I, I talked with a a woman uh, who's in a networking, same networking group. And she's kind of in a position where she's just starting to think about what her own business could be. And she's got a couple of different paths she could go down. One of them is leadership. And even within that, I mean, leadership in and of itself might seem like a niche, but what, what types of leaderships are you fo leadership? Are you focusing on women who are in corporate leadership positions? Um, are you focusing on, you know, maybe, new leaders, people who are new to a leadership role who need some sort of development, you know, and that's, and then, you know, within that, you can kind of start to narrow your focus even, even further. Um, you know, it could be down into a specific industry. So I think it's, um, it does seem really daunting and really hard, which kind of like begs the question then like, how do you even decide what your niche is? Yeah. You yeah. know, if you don't do it by trial by error. <laughs> exactly. So I think first you have to be aware of what makes up a niche that gives you clarity and also your client. And this is who mm -hmm. are you giving a service to? What are you doing? And what is the result? Sure. And that really helps to create a niching statement because you get um, you get a level of clarity and, and you see where you still have you know, like a, a blind spot because you're just saying what you're doing for whom, but not what the result will be. And in the end, people are buying results. They're not buying the process. The yeah. process, yeah, they might ask you after they are happy to get the result or already, you know, they are already uh, imagining themselves in the result, yes. but then they want to know how is it going? And it's like validating the emotion mm -hmm. that they put to the result if they have the feeling that the process can bring them there, but they are not, you're not doing the process for the process sex. Uh, yeah. You really want to have that outcome, which 
let's say losing weight you're not doing the diet because you enjoy the diet right 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 that's I that piece of advice was given to me recently as I've kind of like transitioned from like one target audience to a different target audience. And it's something that honestly, I wish I would have, I think I, I knew that as an entrepreneur, but again, like there's kind of this like culture shift and um, like mindset shift that you have to go in. Mm-hmm. Like when you transition into being an entrepreneur in from whatever type of lifestyle you had before. And so for me, it just didn't necessarily like register. And it was a key point that I was missing. Like I was so focused on like the actual, like the technical marketing that I know how to do really well. And I, and I almost forgot to do that. And then as I was transitioning, I was, I was talking with a gal who kind of works in a a field that's adjacent to what I want to do. She was like, Oh, you really need to focus on the transformation. People care about those results. They don't care about how, I mean, they do care about how you're going to get there, but that initial interest in you doesn't come from your process necessarily. It comes from what you promise you're going to deliver to them, how, what their life is going to be like 90 days from now, because they're working with you. And that really kind of revolutionized the way I talked about what I had to offer. And I was like, why wasn't I doing, why wasn't I talking about it this way before? Yeah. It, it's a way of thinking that is new to many people. And this you know, it takes some time and it takes iterations. <clears throat> um, thinking of some of my clients, I mean, we went from, I think the most we had was eight niches to two. Oh and my gosh. Yeah, that, that is really a big thing. And it, <laughs> it took us, I think, five goes or something, but she would not let go. And I, I just said, it, it's totally fine. That is your journey. And yeah. um, I mean, how, you know, that whole process, I'm, with my consulting background, I tend to give also consulting advice. I'm not, you know, I'm not a trained coach. I'm, yeah. I'm coaching you through the process, but it's not like I have a coaching education. So right. I'm, my, my background is consulting and I know how to mentor people because I've done that also in my jobs. So it's really a combination and I just apply what is necessary at the moment. And at that point in time, she needed a lot of, of time to simmer on it and decide if that feels better or that and I gave her you know all the little bits and pieces of mm-hmm. information there. so mm-hmm. that's your problem in this niche and did you think about and how much do you want to earn these people won't be able to pay that you know these right. are little things that you have to consider when you're picking a niche can can your ideal audience pay for it and do they want to pay for it right if right you get so stuck on um on your own idea and you know it, it comes from your heart that you love it yes. and then yes. you don't want to let go but not necessarily is someone paying for it just look at me in my in my cancer project right right <laughs> and um i think um whatever if you're using a coach to support you and guide you through the process or if you're doing it on your own you need to have a, a long, hard stare at what you're doing, where you're at, what your passions are, your, your aspirations, and but also your experience. Because tapping into something that you have no experience at all, that will make it really hard. Mm-hmm. The best combination is to have something that comes from, you know, from your own experience where you're passionate about it, something that really is close to your heart, but then also where you have 
a solid um, foundation, know what you're doing. And um, that makes it so much easier to, to highlight your expertise when you're going Absolutely. into that extended niching statement. Now, that has to speak clearly to your ideal client and fit your core values, but also highlight your expertise and what you can do for them. Absolutely. And I think you hit on two like really critical points through that process. When, when you have a lot of, or when you're kind of going into the process, something that is easy to kind of skip over is like that market research part of it, where you kind of go out. And if you're not sure what you or how you want to niche down and who you want to target with your offerings, going out and talking to kind of the full spectrum of people that you might be interested in serving is a really, it's such a helpful exercise because you're, it's going to teach you a lot in terms of what, what they expect and what they would want from you in terms of your products and services that you're going to be able to kind of evaluate and say, okay, does, does this align with my expertise? Is it, if it does, is it at a price point that I'm able to offer it? And if it, if it doesn't, and sometimes a lot of times you learn like, oh, who I thought I wanted to target is not actually like the best fit or what I thought I was going to offer to them isn't a solution that they want. So how do I, how do I tweak that? And then it kind of gives you the ability to come up with an offering that's going to be manageable for you. And so even if you can, um, even if you can offer them 10 solutions, choosing one or two to focus on so that you can really get the system and the process down and kind of give yourself the confidence to say, yes, this is a really solid experience that adds value that I can continue to uh, put out and attract clients and repeat is a really, really helpful process. And so I think what you hinted at was, or what you were kind of saying is, Hey, you know, go out and do that research. Don't skip that step, understand that, and then pick an offering that makes sense for you. And that's manageable for you as a solo entrepreneur, because you kind of, you are a small business owner, even like you, you have to be able to manage all of that by yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, you know, those are two really critical steps that are easy to overlook because you're just excited about getting out there and getting your ideas out into the world, but it'll save you a lot of time in the long run. Absolutely. A lot of errands that you're doing. And plus when you talk to the people you really want to serve and then find that target group where you say that is the perfect target group. I want to work with these people there, whatever they, they give to me. Um, you then understand how they word their problems and what they want to have. So this gives you like a head start for your own communication and for yes. the, the copy that you're writing. And getting, getting the wording right in a way that resonates with them right away is so crucial because mm-hmm. that makes them read further. If they don't have the feeling this is a problem that they have, if, if it's not a problem when they think right, that right. Maybe, maybe the neighbor next door, but not me, that, you know, they're not reading on. It's, we have so, such a so short span of um, attention and we're so overwhelmed with all the information that we are getting in our inbox on websites, on the radio, on the TV every day, 
that yep. um, our brain is filtering massively. So the moment we read something that is exactly how we would read it ourselves, yes, we have that attention and read on. So it's basically dragging them in with what they would say because you heard it in the interviews over and over again. Yes. And then um, you can expand. But having that um, lingo that your clients talk is, is yes. very important. And you get that from the interviews too. Yes. So it's already setting you up for the next step after just choosing the niche. Absolutely. And that's when I, when I talk with my clients, that's why I'm like, you need pick this, trust me, trust me for my own experience as someone who didn't necessarily want to do that or who kind of like fumbled through that process. It sets you up for success. And it's, and again, like it was a mistake that I made early on in my own business, but it was something that I knew so well from the corporate world, right? It was like, you have to pick and you have to kind of narrow your focus because when you choose and when you narrow the, the scope of who you're talking to, you choose that niche. It makes every subsequent activity so much more efficient for you because now you, now you can craft your mess messaging better. You can just move people through the profit process in a more purposeful way that just streamlines your life as an entrepreneur. And so, um, it's, yeah, it's easy to lose sight of that as kind of a new business owner. Um, so that was, that's why it's kind of one of my favorite pieces of advice that I was given was yeah. do this because it'll make it easier. And actually it's so, so easy to underestimate how much work it is to write copy for mm -hmm. who you're targeting and your office. So it's actually until I did it now in full bloom, <laughs> I already, I, I still, I, with my background did not have the idea of how much copy you have to yes. create for thing. I, I, Yep. organized the summit um, early on this year and I think it had 70 pages of copy and that was I mean I had a little bit done up front so that was just the second part and I thought wow yep. 70 pages <laughs> yes of interviews um, yes. So it is, it, it's just so massive you can't hardly grasp how much you will have to do and if you do that, different things it's just it will break yes. your day <laughs> right lucky me I never choose a second niche because I was a little bit tempted and thought oh maybe this and that and then you know with being being a yeah like you said a multi-passionate person and I thought well should I go for two and I thought no make it easy for yourself make it easy for yourself yes. pick one pick the one who's most important to you where you have, where you can talk with the most compassion, passion, and yes. um, conviction. And that's what I did. And I thought during that process, lucky. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And so I think the takeaway here is that even like as experts, even people who know this, right, and teach this to other people, <laughs> it's so tempting to still do it yourself and to be like, ah, uh, I know this is what I teach you, but, and it, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of go through that journey to like recognize and realize like, oh, okay, I just need to follow my own advice sometimes. So, um, all right. So we're kind of coming up on like the top of the hour for this. So what would be your final advice for entrepreneurs to really help them like find that focus and clarity in their business? Yeah. Um, I would just say, head into it, pick the one thing and stay on it for three months. Mm. And if you don't know where to start, 
go just go by your feeling what what feels right now like the one thing i would like to do for the rest of my life yeah. and i mean i know we all know it's not for the rest of our life right. but it's like if i had to choose one what would be the one that i wanted to do the most and then um go full in don't do anything else else cut call your to-do list and just put uh, or take that one focal point and work on it for three months and you will see if that still feels good after three months mm -hmm. and normally i don't know if, if you have the same in, in america in germany you always say the first hundred days in in a new position you have a little bit of a leeway and nobody is judging you really but after yep. 100 days you have to show something yes and um so i think the three month mark is really it it's it always shows again after three months you have to see something coming out of what we're doing Mm -hmm, and if mm -hmm. nothing is happening or if it doesn't feel okay then just head on to the next thing that you had in your brain and thought was a really good idea yeah and very often it, it might be the first one or the second one i, I yeah I have, I have seldom seen that somebody is going full in and then has to do that for i've never seen that actually Normally yeah you're in the process of just trying to go through the process of picking a niche and and putting yourself in the feeling you would have normally the one or two target groups drop out and then you're this two and, and and that works out yes um, so and after the three months we evaluate maybe go um go in a second one and always remember that it, it's not written in stone for the rest of your life mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel right then um you can go ahead go and change again, yeah change it but be super specific during that time because it automatically forces you to you know, to, to nail what exactly you're doing, for whom you're doing it, so that it can resonate with your ideal mm -hmm. client. Mm -hmm. And and there you have to show the consequence. And um, I just, I have one little offer if people want to have, Absolutely. like, I, I yeah. did a checklist-style workbook to go through that niching process. It's a lot, a lot of what we've talked about today. Perfect. Is in the form of, just like little reminders and then check this, have I done this, have I done that? And I think that that is a good thing if you do it on your own, just lay it next to you. And then in the end, you can come up with a niching statement that is really where you feel, is it aligned? Is it not? Is it clear enough? Mm -hmm. And then you can test drive it with, um, you, you know, on a party, in a networking event and just say, this is what I'm doing. And then when you get a tell me more, you know that you, um, that you hit a nerve. Yeah. But you have to, have to get that feedback and not, oh yeah, interesting. Okay, I'm going to the next person at the networking event. So yeah. it just has to in that's um, great advice. Conversation. And yeah. if you if you achieve that, then I'm pretty certain there is a market for it. Yeah, that's great. That is great advice. An easy, an easy way to kind of test and research yeah. your your concept and your idea. So I will link that checklist in the show notes. Oh. And this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Those of you who are listening, I hope you use these tips and tricks and our lessons to help you choose a niche and ultimately grow and scale your own businesses. And as always, if you've enjoyed today's episode, as much as I have, please rate and review, subscribe to Startup Marketing to help other women like you find this podcast. Until next time, Christiane, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Caitlin.